How long have we been in quarantine? Five weeks? Two days? Where are we? Help me to... Recollect. Are you trying to do your Jason Statham impression again, Mr. Movies? I don't know. Ever since Josh told me I don't have a good East London accent, I've... taken it personally. Why do you bother yourself with the opinion of someone who is from... England? You know, that's a good point. Sam? What are you doing outside of your cage? We haven't done a radio play episode in so long. What is going on? Do you... hate me? No, I don't... hate you. It's just I... I'm busy. I mean, this isn't a particularly busy time of the year, I'd say. You know, once in a century global pandemic, and I'm drained, alright? My brain's not in a good place right now, but I want to talk about the lighthouse. So Sam, kindly, I need you to go away. I will do anything for you to give me every week off. Buddy, if you think you can get off the chain that fast, Woo! I'm, I'm saving you for, I don't know, channel milestones, I guess. 10,000 downloads. How's that sound? Make it 20,000. 20... 30,000. 50,000. All right, fine. 10,000 plays. 10,000 plays, you get another radio play. How does that sound? No. I am pretty sure I just requested 50,000. All right, so now that you're back in your gate... I am incorporeal. This doesn't matter. I can phase right through this. Yeah, it's just... It's a symbolism, Sam. We're doing the lighthouse. The lighthouse. The lighthouse. Fuck, this is a good movie. Alright, so... For the sake of ease, I'm going to be calling every character by their actor's name. The reason being is the only three people in this movie that aren't a mermaid are all named Tom. And um, I don't want to do that to you. I love you. Also, this factors into a big theory that I've had. Uh, it's my big Tom theory that I'm going to be getting into at the end of this. Because I've, I've, I've got a theory. It's a good one, too. You're just going to have to... It's gonna have to stick around. Uh, this is a solo episode. You know I normally don't do these. A uh, couple of things factoring into this. One is I all of a sudden got the house to myself tonight. So, I mean, you can't waste an opportunity to record. Um, I don't have it in me to script out anything with Sam. And um, I originally tried to record this episode with a buddy of mine. And um, both times we've tried to record, it's failed. <laughs> So, we're just going to do this one solo. Just you and me. Hope you're doing well. Because I'm not. The movie opens up, we fade in from black, and it starts off with a letterbox screen. When I say letterboxed, I'm talking like a almost one-to-one -one aspect ratio. 
Uh, it's in black and white because Robert Eggers is too stupid to add color. And, uh, man, I always try this joke. I always try to fit in my review where I just finish it off saying <laughs> two stars bad movie. Man, it's it's in black and white. The first thing that we're greeted in, like, sound-wise, is the sweet sounds of a man shredding on the didgeridoo and playing a foghorn. The waves coming off of this ship are, like, violently cascading towards us. And two men whose silhouettes do not resemble my father whatsoever and give me deep trauma about, you know, how non-broad my shoulders are, are all that we see. Um, uh... This ship washes ashore, and we get the first glimpse of Robert Pattinson trying as an actor. It's pretty cool, the career that he's had coming up into this. Um, I think everybody's seen it, right? Where Robert Pattinson doing the interviews post, uh, what was the Twilight movie? It's like New Moon? Something like that? He was basically like telling an interviewer that he only ever did the filming for like cash and clout, which, buddy, I respect you for that. But he seems to have reformed his career. He somehow gave the Safdie brothers a chance with a uh, good time. Then he comes out and he does this, and it's the best acting performance you'll ever see from him. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope he keeps improving, but man, God, it's good. Stick your laughing, snoring, you goddamn fox. He shows up on an island that has a lighthouse, and that's... That's it. That's a movie. You see, this joke works better when there's somebody on the other end to laugh or acknowledge that this may be a recurring bit, but we're going with it. Uh, the horn from the ship just keeps blasting, so just expect it throughout the rest of this podcast. Anytime I feel like I'm stammering or stumbling... Buddy, you're getting up. The Mr. Movies podcast is pro-horn. We, uh... The Mr. Movies podcast is horny. <laughs> Robert Pattinson gets, uh, showed to his room. Which would, uh, if we were, like, viewing this room on an Airbnb, we'd describe it as a romantic cottage for two... A lovely coast, water included. No dishwasher. It's rustic. Seagulls are lovely. No dogs allowed. Robert makes his way to his room, which has two beds, and it's a super Wes Anderson shot, and I mean that in, like, the most literal way. It seems like that was the only place you could really put the camera in the room, but it's, the shot is, like, perfectly framed, where, you know, like, the arch is right in the center, and this big pillar, I'm assuming a load-bearing pillar, separates the room, and, um, we see Robert Pattinson take his bed, and it's a pretty wholesome moment, you know, uh, times are changing, we're looking out on the horizon, things are looking good, then he finds a tear in his bed, and, um, I don't know how else to say this, but, Robert Pattinson just kind of starts fingering it, and uh, he pulls out a whole human head worth of hair, then finds a carving of a mermaid on the inside of it. He holds up this mermaid, and he thinks to himself, God, 
I'm gonna honk off to this later. After we see the hellscape that is his job, which is, I'm assuming, just shoveling coal into the horn-making machine, we have a nice little dinner, and um, Willem Dafoe is praying and wishes them a really nice four weeks together. And that's the movie. You see, this is another joke that I wrote down in my notes that goes really well whenever there's, I don't know, like a person on the other side to maybe even give me a pity laugh, but uh, this isn't going well. After dinner, we get this really sexy shot of the inside of the lighthouse, lifting up from the base all the way up the shaft. It, sorry, I know I said that this is a horny podcast, but I'm just trying to get through this scene. Um, so we go from the base up the shaft um, all the way up to the head, and um, there we see Willem Dafoe post-climax just staring into the light bulb. And um, man, love is in the air. To you. After this, we cut to the absolute best shot of the entire movie. And I'm I'm not fucking around with this. This is the best shot of the movie. It's one of the best shots I've ever seen. Robert Pattinson is just kind of feeling this calling to him from the sea. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a panic. And I uh, think, I mean, this is probably exactly what it is, but think like uh, from the Odyssey when Ulysses hears the siren song and the the men just couldn't help themselves from jumping out of their ships to go get feasted upon by a mermaid. He's literally doing that. Uh, water wells up from his feet, goes up to his knees, then his chest, and he almost drowns himself uh, just trying to get to this mermaid that's making this awful, horrible shrieking sound. good it's real good the water's super black it looks like motor oil it's real good and i mean hear me out we all joke about the erotic nature of the sea but this made me understand after this i guess that he passes out but he wakes up in a full um like a onesie like something from meundies which by the way i don't know meundies you guys listen to thousands of podcasts would it kill you to do an ad read with me? Please? Man, I'll do it. I'll say I wear it and everything. I'll say I got some for my partner. We have matching... Matching Marvel ones. Hey, would you like that? A little piggy for your money? After this, we mostly get glimpses of Robert's day-to-day -day life. But then... We get it. The most iconic scene from the movie. Robert Pattinson peeks through um, a hole in the ceiling where the shingles are, and we get to see Willem Dafoe's sweet ass. He's got a onesie on. <laughs> He's got a onesie on, and it's like a toddler's onesie where there's like two big old buttons on the corners, and he's just letting it hang out. He's letting those sweet cheeks just right on the air. After this, um, Robert Pattinson starts hauling coal then he starts getting catcalled by a seagull, and he gets really mad and he throws a rock at it. Luckily, this kind of aggressive behavior doesn't come back to haunt him at all. That That is the last that we hear from the... See, you see... Again, I really need to stop these. It's... The, the, none of these are going to land. And I'm aware of that. 
How long have we been recording? Like 14 minutes? You don't have to put up with me much longer. You're already a quarter of the way there. Look at you go. After this, there's this uh, really funny um, dive into the characters where there's like a big supercut of Robert Pattinson hauling maybe a 200,000 pound barrel of oil up the entirety of like a lighthouse, which I grew up near St. Augustine. So, I mean, I climbed lighthouses a lot or lighthouse. I climbed a lighthouse a lot. It was a really popular elementary school trip thing to do is you would just take a bunch of hyperactive, terrible children and shove them into a lighthouse and just tell them to run up and down the thing. And, you, you, you know, you, you wear us out. We fall asleep. Give the teachers a little bit of a break, you know, because may as well give them a break if the government will, you know, call them essential, but refuse to bump up their pay. Florida. What are we like? The fourth lowest for paying teachers? Starting pay is... Like, it's actually a negative number. Starting pay is you pay the school district for them to employ you, and then you get subsidized and people going, man, you're a hero. You're such a hero. And that pays the bills. Did you know that? And bring that drum back down the ladder where we have found it. That's your fixing to burn the old light down. At the top of this lighthouse, um, you know, after hauling up this massive barrel, Robert Pattinson sees it, the light bulb, and man, he wants to fuck it. And I mean this, like, seriously. I know that I do a lot of jokes that don't land, but I mean, like, Robert Pattinson literally wants to fuck this light bulb. I don't know if you've ever seen a light bulb in a lighthouse. They look stunning. It's all this intricate carving, um, almost looks like a totem pole. Like one of the rungs of a totem pole, but more diamond shape. It looks good, but Willem's playing hard to get. He lets him know, that light bulb up there, that's for me to fuck. Not you. That is my light bulb. Hands off, pal. You're too slow. You a dullard? No, sir. Fooled me. They're at dinner, I'm assuming that night and Willem starts shouting about how it's bad luck to kill a seabird. And um, I think it's because he saw Robert Pattinson throw a rock at one. Either way, it's a, it's a no growth. The seagull's back at night and he, he just like keeps trying shit. <laughs> he gets harassed so much by seagulls. <laughs> the seagull starts like pecking on the window doing that like, Hey, 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 you know, Robert Pattinson does like a, looks at him. He goes, fuck you. <laughs> this is a funny scene. He's just being harassed. Harassment's not okay. I want to state that. It's not okay. Do not harass. But Robert deserves it in this movie. We'll go over it. Man, I'm you know, like 5,000 words of notes. We're going over it. Also, the very next scene in this movie is, um, I don't mean to undercut the severity of this, uh, at all, you know, him being harassed, but, uh, the very next scene is Robert Pattinson jacking off and, um, it's right away, but it's super tasteful. He seems to, um, take his ropes and strides. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Funny story. Uh, 
So before I had seen this movie, this movie obviously like came out on a Thursday and I have a coworker who was like, Hey, have you seen the lighthouse? And I was like, well, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. And, um, he's not the kind of guy to spoil, but he was like, all right, so I need you to report back what you see to me during the lighthouse. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, oh man, I heard that there's a masturbation scene in the movie. It's a, it's a wild one. And, um, I see this part of the movie and I'm just like, this is it. This is the wild one. I was like, come on. <laughs> and, um, Jesus, am I wrong? <laughs> there's another one. And, um, oh boy, will you learn about it. Willem and Robert have hit a rocky patch in their relationship and they're arguing about whether or not the floor's clean. This is a classic couple's rocky situation. It happens about six months in, but, uh, you know, like those first six months, oh, it's ecstasy. Oh, it's somebody new. I want to make it, make them think that I'm the one. And man, I've been along, alone for so long. Maybe, maybe this will be the person who puts up with me. But, um, right around six months, you, you get, get tired of each other's shit. And then there's a lot of fighting. Um, I wouldn't say like rough fighting. You're not like hitting each other. I hope. Because Mr. Movies is a very anti-harassment podcast. Physical included. But they, they're bickering. Uh, they're fighting over what constitutes a clean floor. I mopped and swept twice over. Yeah, lion dog. Well, I swept them. Tis begrimed and bedabbled. Unwiped, unwashed, and disdained. Willem Dafoe goes on this great monologue, but everything gets cloudy in my mind trying to remember what he said because he says that he wants a floor to sparkle like a sperm whale's pecker. It's a funniest thing about nautical guys is even people in the modern day try to talk like this and uh, you just look like an idiot. <laughs> Stop talking about whale dicks. What's wrong with you? Suck off every speck of rust till all them nails sparkle like a sperm whale's pecker. Uh, next up is the funniest scene in the entire movie. Uh, Willem makes a makeshift harness out of, I don't know, like dental floss and the seat of a child swing from a playset. And uh, it's this whole makeshift pulley system. And he's, they're trying to paint the White House whiter. And Robert starts painting the White House. And, uh, you know, it's just immediately <laughs> the shit breaks. <laughs> and he falls and he, you know, he does an owie. He does a big old whoopsie daisy. And, <laughs> you know, hits his back. And he wakes up and he's just getting jumped by a seagull. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Easy! Quit your flailing, lad! I ain't! Y'all! Keep still! I am! <laughs> that night, they're back at dinner and we find out that Robert used to be a timberman. He's, he's Canadian and he doesn't really sound like one, but I imagine that the Canadian accent in what was 1890, I think is what Robert Eggers said. This, or Robert Eggers' director, by the way. Um, I'm pretty sure he said that he wanted to make a period piece in 1890. So, I mean, who knows what the accent was like. But, you know, we find out he's a some Canadian Timberman. Which I thought was an allusion to Twilight for the longest time. Because all those scenes in Twilight where Edward Cullen is, you know, like, Bella's on his back and he does those weird CGI blurry jump from tree to tree. He's up in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, we know it. You're acting like you don't know it, but you know it. 
Robert talks about wanting a fresh start and how this pays, th this like job, this it, having your own lighthouse pays you a thousand dollars a month or something, which I went to the CPI, uh, like that, like inflator thing. A thousand dollars a month in um, 1890 is $27,000. That's incredible. This job is just phenomenal. Can you imagine that? Yeah, this job pays $27,000 a month, which I'm not doing the math, but that's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of cash just to hang out. All you had to do was just be nice, and you could have been upper middle class, I guess. Willem also, like, he's in, like, this, like, grandma's rocking chair after this, and he talks about how it's bad luck to kill a seabird because... They contain the souls of sailors who've met their maker. Why is it bad luck to kill a gull? In them's the souls of sailors what met their maker. Days go by and Willem's getting more secretive. Um, he has a secret drawer. And um, probably the worst part of this is that he's spending more and more time up with the light bulb up at the top of the lighthouse. So uh, Robert climbs the entirety of the shafts of the lighthouse and looks up through like the bottom grating. Because you, you lock... The great, so nobody can get in and fuck with your light bulb, I guess. And he sees Willem just absolutely getting railed by a giant squid. When I say getting railed, I mean the tentacles are the size, like the girth of a school bus. And they're flying by at like 80 to 90 miles an hour. The scene ends with a big goop of mystery liquid dripping through the grate right in front of Robert's face, which um, hard cuts to the next morning. And um, Robert Pattinson's trying to get some water from their little sink thing. And um, as he's pumping the well, you know, like this is 1890, you're like priming a well. This awful black sludge comes out of the spigot into his cup. Uh, it's like motor oil would be the way that I describe the consistency. Probably the flavor, too, because he goes and he opens up this big vat thing. It, it looks like a septic tank, but for water. And inside of it is the dead body of a seagull. <laughs> and right as he's, he's about to freak out, he's going to go, like, I don't know, gamer sicko mode. And... Right as he's about to take out the dead body, one seagull lands on this, the, the, the opening. It's like this, like, external opening. And just starts harassing him. And he loses his mind and does... You remember in the Avengers when, when the Hulk grabbed Loki and just kind of, like, started smashing him into the ground? And um, you're like, God, how could anybody survive that? Um, he does that and this bird doesn't. <laughs> he, like, grabs the seagull by the, I'm assuming the feet, and starts flailing it around, and he beats the living shit out of this thing. The bird was probably dead on the third strike, but he hits, I think, 17 times, and the more that he hits, the more blood leaves the animal, <laughs> and it's, god, it's awful. It's really bad. <laughs> it's bad. But, um, you know, right after he's done, and he realizes what he did, the winds shift, and I mean, you literally see, like, 
I mean, we, we've all seen the the trope, right? Of the, like, the rooster that sits on top of something tall, and whenever the wind blows, it points the direction that the wind's blowing. It does that, and, like, a thousand seagulls line the sky. They almost black it out. Kind of like that movie 300 with the arrows. Just imagine that with cawing gulls. Cawing gulls. This scene concludes with just this incredible line. Um, Willem Dafoe is a specter at this point. And I think it's like walking down a hallway or something like that. But uh, he lets out this very just haunting. Keeping secrets are ye. Keeping secrets are ye. Because uh, I'm assuming because Robert's got that seagull killing guilt look on his face. You can tell. You can tell whenever you've beaten something to death. You see it on their face. You're like, ah, you, you've been up to something. That night, Willem insists that Robert drink. You know, like he, he drinks a ton to celebrate a full month of work, which leads to a slumber party full of sea shanties and girl talk. A really great exchange in this was, um, Robert goes, you, you, how does he even talk in this movie? You ashamed to have slept with a girl? To which Willem says, I ain't ashamed of nothing! And you know, that's a big, it's an eruption! It's very funny. The, just, fuck, just cut it in here. You feel shame when you lie with a woman? I ain't ashamed of nothing! <laughs> <laughs> Willem Dafoe's character, uh, the wiki, so he, he's uh, that guy who got uh, railed by the squid, he announces that his name, his actual name is Thomas, or Tom, which uh, this is crucial for my big, theory of the lighthouse that I'm I'm gonna dive into and you're, you're gonna become a believer with me the next morning Robert wakes up hungover and has to tend to the chamber pots which I mean like literally like a cast iron tray so he's holding two of those and he's uh walking out to like this like a really tall cliff and he goes to one side and um he's discarding brown liquid is the way that I would describe it um, he goes to discard it, and he throws it, and the wind catches it. <laughs> it blows back in his face. <laughs> and he stands there, just in the quiet, and then, like, lets out a... It's the most relatable moment in the film. Um, and I mean, this happened because like the winds shifted. So he's used to throwing the, I don't know, diarrhea off of that side of the cliff. But it was, he should have done the other one because he killed a seabird. Remember, remember when that happened? On his way back, you know, just coated in shit. He um, finds a, f a net full of fish and he runs over. And uh, then he finds a mermaid caught in it. And um, you see a whole titty just before she starts screaming, and then he runs away. Robert runs back. He's all spooked, and um, 
he's waiting for the ship to pick him up, but it never shows up. So he has to keep working, which is uh, really good for his mental health. You know, so naturally, him and Willem have to wait out the storm, and um, their provisions had rotted. He said something about, like, the codfish that he had caught had all rotted, like, it literally... They had no edible food, um, but he said that he had buried, uh, like, some provisions near the lighthouse. They go and they dig it up out back, and it's a huge treasure chest. It's like a pirate's treasure chest. And on the inside is, like, 36 bottles of rum. And naturally, they get hammered. And this is advanced drunk stuff. This is, uh, pure chaos um, if I remember right, they start dancing. They, like, scream songs at each other. And um, there's this really funny scene in one where they're dancing around. And Willem Dafoe is, like, he's, like, doing, like, an actual sea shanty. You know, it's one of those, like, and on the timber sails they go and... And it goes to Robert Pattinson. The camera, like, whips to Robert Pattinson. And then he just starts going... Dance! Dance, Winslow! there's an interview about this and um they were like the director was like hey robert why'd you do that and he was like uh felt right (laughs) um around this time there's a super productive discussion which uh it's pretty funny it's him going what and then he goes what and then he goes what 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 and then he goes what and then he goes what and then he goes what 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 and then he goes what and then he goes what 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 their faces are really close together during this. There's so much sexual tension in this movie, which is a really good lead-in for the next line, which is Robert Pattinson saying, if I had a steak, I would fuck it. <laughs> if I had a steak, oh boy. Oh, a rare, a bloody steak. If I, if I had a steak, I would... Fuck it. You know, and then Willem gets his feelings hurt. You know, we, we've all been here. He goes, uh, you don't like my cooking. You're drunk. You're fond of me lobster, ain't ye? Say it. <laughs> He's like pleading with him. He's almost crying. You don't like me cooking? Oh, don't be such an old bitch. You're drunk. You don't know what you're talking. How can I possibly like the horse shit you fix us for supper? You're drunk. Then there's the fucking Hark speech. Uh... I'm just going to, like, cut the jokes for a second. This Hark speech was the defining thing of the movie for me. It was the fact that Willem wasn't even nominated for Best Supporting Actor, even though he did this, is a crime, let alone, like, not winning it. I cannot emphasize how good this speech is enough. Um, I'm probably going to be cutting it throughout this next thing of me just kind of ranting about people I wish were nominated for the Oscars so I don't get content ID'd, but it's incredible. Um, He stays in accent the entire time. It feels like he's addressing the audience in like a, almost like a Greek theater kind of way. 
the camera angle's really cool on this. It, Robert Eggers went very traditional, um, like horror, I guess you would call it. It's a super low angle of his face. And um, the lighting on his face, I would describe like camp counselor telling a story where the main character is a zombie and the um, people he's fighting are ghouls. Nothing tops this performance. Nothing. Uh, this is one of the best I've ever seen, which, you know, fits because this is genuinely uh, probably in my top 10 all time movies. You know, this along with um, Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems, obviously, this it, it like actually hurt my feelings that they weren't nominated, which I know that like it's kind of embarrassing to put any sort of weight, any sort of uh, meaning or feelings towards the Oscars. But I don't know, Mr. Movies, this it matters to me. It's real to me, damn it. Hark! Hark! Triton! Hark! Bellow! Bid our father, the Sea King, rise from the. After this wild night, Robert becomes mischievous, I guess you'd call it. He starts sneaking around, and he uh, tries to pick the lock on that secret cabinet from earlier, but he, he fails. So. Uh, he, he does this with, like, a broken knife. I don't even know how to describe the knife. It's like you shave the top half off a knife, but you kept the hooked end. Uh, it's, it's a spooky-looking weapon. It looks like something you torture somebody with. Um, he finds out that the cabinet itself, it has, like, a, a set of keys that goes along with it, which, I mean, we've seen it the entire movie with Willem locking up the grate to the, you know, the fuckable light bulb. Robert almost stabs him with this knife but um willem wakes up because you know like the keys are like on his belly and um he's he's like he's actually gonna stab him with the steak knife thing but uh he gets caught he plays it off pretty well i mean he like didn't get stabbed back so i imagine y you did a good job covering it up i don't know i expect to get stabbed if i did this right after this there's a montage of him in overalls just kind of doing stuff and um this is the scene that I was warned about. He is furiously masturbating to the mermaid carving that he found in his bed from earlier. He's like, <laughs> it's such an awful sound. I'm debating on if I should cut it in or not. You know what? I will. It's going to be a second and a half. Here it is. You upset that I put that in a podcast? I don't blame you. We also get flashbacks to some young guy, like a young, handsome, I'm assuming blonde man. It's a black and white movie. He's He's got a mustache. He also has a drowning fantasy, which I thought was really weird. And um, as he hits his vinegar strokes, he lets out this screech, which is normal. I need to emphasize how normal that screech was as you hit your vinegar strokes. The montage keeps going on after this. He finds a severed head in a box, and then he um, he pounds an entire fifth of rum, then starts doing a sailor dance with Willem. This whole time they're screaming sea shanties like English soccer hooligans. Um, then they hug it out after all this. Then they fight immediately after this, which I found out they're actually hitting each other in the scene. Those are real punches. Willem was talking about how Robert raised up his, like, middle knuckle as he was hitting his ribs, and each, like, exasperated sigh you hear is, like, 
two guys really getting the shit kicked out of each other. I love this movie. After all this is said and done, Robert admits that he murdered his Timberman co-worker. He claims that he slipped and let him die, uh, so he's filled with this massive amount of guilt at not preventing this, and he was blamed for the murder. But, I mean, he could have grabbed him. If I were him, I would have simply saved his life. Come on. Also want to point out that this guy's name is Tom, the guy who died, which feeds into my theory. My, uh, I don't know, I guess you call it a tinfoil hat theory of the lighthouse. And I don't think every character exists, but we'll talk about that at the end. After admitting all this, um, you hear echoes through the hallways of Willem whispering my favorite line of the movie. Why'd you spill your beans? Why'd you spill your beans? Robert has a nightmare where um, a naked Willem Dafoe is a lighthouse. Like, he, like, embodies a lighthouse, and his eyeballs are the light bulb, and he's staring directly into his soul. Which, I think now's the time. If Willem's naked, now's the time. Have we all heard about the stories of how big Willem Dafoe's dick is? Like, it's big enough that bringing up a story about it's not weird. I forget what movie it was. I think it was Antichrist, or The Antichrist. Um, he originally was supposed to be naked for the movie, but his dick was described as being distractingly large, and they had to put a fake normal size prosthetic on it. And I just, I just wish he would have hung dong in this movie. They, they should have just done it. After this nightmare, uh, Robert panics and tries to leave via like a, like a rowboat. I guess it's like a safety boat. And uh, Willem sees us and literally breaks the boat to pieces with a fireman's axe. Uh, like, real shades of The Shining, I'd say. That's probably the easiest comparison I can make. I'm gonna lose my title in Mr. Movies. I swear. God, when that happens, I don't know what I'll do. I hope I don't get dethroned. Don't leave me! Robert unloads this whole conspiracy on Willem after this, because, you know, like, he, like, does it, and then he chases him back, and then all of a sudden, they're both, like, dripping because it's raining so much. He unloads this whole conspiracy that Willem is doing shit to the light bulb, and he wants in. And, uh, then Willem begins to torture him. He starts messing with his mind, uh, you know, taking away that ground floor of your sanity. He says that, the, the, what, what I opened with. Remember that? That was a good reference, right? Just taking directly from the movie, making it about quarantine. Is that funny? Aren't I good at what I do? How long have we been on this rock? Five weeks? Two days? Where are we? Help me to recollect. Robert makes this weird tar liquid in the lighthouse afterwards. I don't know what's going on at this point. They've both just gone completely insane. And it's some mixture of, I want to say, kerosene and honey. And uh, the only reason I bring this up is because when Robert forces Willem to eat it, he screams, monkey pump. He says monkey pump. That's all. So wanted us all to know that 
in the best movie of the year, Willem Dafoe screams monkey pump. The storm's gotten really, really bad. Um, It's torn a hole through the roof and ruined everything in the house itself. Uh, Furniture's thrown everywhere. It literally looks like the aftermath of one of those, like, Oklahoma City tornado videos. Where, you know, like, the house is super normal one second and then all of a sudden, like, chairs are thrown through walls and, like, forks are through concrete. Uh, Also, the water level of this island, the water's up to, like, their knees. You know, it's flooded, like, two or three feet over the course of this day. I don't know how they didn't die. I'm not saying that I've ever, like, fallen asleep drunk on the floor, but I'm just saying, like, if you did, that's it. That's game over. But floating in this water is the book. That uh, book that Willem's been writing in and keeping in his little secret cupboard. And Robert looks at him. You know, he looks at this book. And he sees that Willem's been talking shit. He's been saying that he's crazy, that he doesn't deserve pay. It's been like a nightmare to work with him, which, I mean, is the case. I think we've all seen. Robert unloads on him. He calls him a fraud. He does the Bagel Boss guy line. Remember the Bagel Boss guy, the little tiny guy? Yeah, you remember that, like the super Philly guy. He was like standing in line at Bagel Boss. He's going, you aren't God or my father or my boss. Uh, Robert Pattinson does that here. (laughs) You ain't no general. You ain't no copper. You, you ain't the president, and you ain't my father. And I'm sick of you acting like you is. Also, he says he's sick of his goddamn farts. Willem, at this point, knows he's probably dying tonight. I, I think any of us in his position would come to the same exact conclusion. Uh, he almost begs for it. He blames Robert Pattinson for the murder of his, like, co-worker, the, the Timberman. And he calls him a murdering dog which leads to a fight scene that actually has consequences. Robert Benson's doing like a ground and pound thing. Willem's on his back and he's just wailing on him. Willem's face turns into Tommy the Timberman and then he turns into the sexy mermaid and then a giant octopus. I, I think an octopus isn't even fair. He like becomes like Poseidon, god of the sea. Then he, he like unleashes all of his rage and uh, basically beats Willem to death. There's a really real line during this, too, where uh, Willem just, like, pleads, Stop, you're killing me. (laughs) After this, Robert demands that Willem barks like a dog. Like, on his hands and knees, which is the most alpha shit you can do after a fight. He literally dog walks him to his grave, which is like the pre-dug grave, I guess you could call it, where they pulled their rations out from. And, um... He buries Willem alive. And uh, I want to emphasize this. When I say this was the best acting performance of the year, I mean it. Willem is giving this whole, um, I don't know what you would call it, like a eulogy, like a funeral type thing for himself. And as he's doing the line, he's getting dirt shoveled onto his chest and it's going into his mouth and he's just chewing on dirt, just getting through this line. It's spectacular. It's... It's incredibly good. Stay blind. Get in it. See. Oh. The divine. Gracious. After burying him alive, Robert panics. I guess unearths him a bit. Just to, like get the keys off of him because he's got his eyes on the prize. He wants to make his way up to the top of the lighthouse and fuck that light bulb. That celebration's cut short immediately by Willem showing up with the axe 
again, but like completely clean clothes, it seems, and uh, saying that the light belongs to him. Robert just like pushes him down, then cleaves his skull with an axe, which again, this will be brought up at the end when I do my my thing. It's, I hope you guys have hung around this long. Um, I want people to hear the theory. Robert climbs to the top of the lighthouse and unlocks that grate at the bottom, and um, he marvels at this intricately carved bulb. And it's it looks good. It's uh, It spins slowly. It's almost like a showcase at the Price is Right, how slowly it's spinning. All this is accompanied by this angelic chorus. To Robert, like, like to me, I mean, really, um, he's in heaven. He's finally got what he wants. The door to the light itself opens up, and we get the shot of Robert standing there in accidental blackface, which, I mean, even if it's an accident, still a no-growth. He reaches in to touch the light, and it, it immediately overwhelms him. He starts screaming, and um, the sound engineering for this is nuts, I want to point out. Um, they just, like, hyper-distort his audio and blast it just through one channel, and I'm, I'm sorry, I gotta do it to you. You're gonna have to listen to it, because I did. After this, the lighthouse rejects him. It, uh, it literally, like, yeets him down the stairs, just like a boot to the chest, sends him tumbling down the stairs, and I'm talking end over end, smacks his head on every single step, and, um... After he takes his little tumble, we uh, fade in from white, I guess you would call it, and Robert Pattinson is laying there naked, his stomach ripped open with um, seagulls eating his organs. And that's it. That's a lighthouse. It's a stellar, incredible movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I mean, I've spoiled the entirety of it for you. It's still worth watching. It's one of these movies that you need to do in a pitch black room. Um, it's kind of like the movie A Ghost Story, which is another one of my all-time favorites. Where any movie that has that hardcore letterboxing, you know, where it's that, that like one-to-one -one that I was talking about before, where the film just looks like a square. I know it's not one-to-one. -one. I think it's like four to three or something like that. But... Whenever your room is pitch black, the boundaries kind of fade away, and it makes it easier to look at it, and eventually this movie makes sense why it's in that aspect ratio. One for, like, the historical context of everything, because I imagine... I don't fucking know. Were there cameras back in 1890? If there were, it would have been a square. Um, if not, um, even if this wasn't directly intended, every shot feels claustrophobic. Because naturally, you're cutting out, like, two-thirds of the frame, right? So you're pressed in there with him which makes you just as claustrophobic as Robert was, which makes sense why he snapped. But who did he snap on? See, this this is my main thing I wanted to get to with the lighthouse. This is my big theory. Um, it's not mine. I've heard other people say it, but I came out of the movie theater saying this, and I don't have proof of me saying this. You're just going to have to believe me, because I'm Mr. Movies of the famous FilmTwitter.com. So... I call this a Willem-don't-real theorem. There's the Tom-murdered-Tom connection. So, there's the nighttime hallucination of Robert finding a body, but Willem is standing there nude. 
um, symbolically as a lighthouse. The lighthouse, to me, was emblematic of everything that Robert could have ever been. You know, success, ecstasy, I guess you could call it love, because, I mean, he, like, tried to tried to fuck a mermaid, so I imagine that love's up on that list, too. And being deemed a murderer uh, makes it hard for you to get a girlfriend, I imagine. There's also the part of uh, destroying that rescue boat. Robert is wheeling out. So Robert wheels out the rescue boat, and then all of a sudden Willem destroys it, which, why would he do that? Willem hasn't shown that he's insane, he just shows that he's a drunkard, which makes me think that Robert fabricated this. What Robert did was he pulled out the boat and he started axing it. Because, you know, right after this, Willem's going on this whole rant about, like, oh my god, you've lost your mind. And you'd say that after somebody hacked a boat with an axe, right? Well, your only boat. You hacked your only boat with an axe. You call him insane, too. Um, I think that Robert going insane is an intended punishment um, of, I don't know who. Maybe God. You know, because they keep on bringing up the wrath of Poseidon. So I assume that he'd be God here, right? So this island, to me, is his prison. This is true in my mind, because the torturer shares the same name as the man who died. You know, Tom the Wiki and Tom the Murdered Timberman. Sharing the same name, it makes sense that this was his punishment for um, killing such a young person. He's also taking the only thing you can take from him after his life in Canada was stripped away, which was his money. It's pretty clear that, um, I mean, we're all coin-driven people, but Robert's character was incredibly coin-driven. The only thing that matters to him was money, so he could get land, so he could start his life over. You take that away, he can't start his life over. He's living in the guilt of having murdered somebody. Also, you know, in a more literal sense, during that fight where Robert punches him pretty much to death, his face becomes Tommy the Timberman. I think that's as straightforward as you can get with, you know, Willem not being real. And after being buried alive, Willem is suddenly unearthed, completely undirtied with the same axe as before that hacked apart the boat, claiming that the light belongs to him, which, I mean, this is just a manifestation of his fear, right? Which, I mean, he beats by cleaving his skull, which... I guess that makes sense. You know, Robert finally overcame his fear and went up to the top of this lighthouse. I guess the other point I want to bring up is that the this rock, it would make sense if this was a prison. It makes sense if they just stuck him on a rock and they went, this is your job now. Don't murder next time. Which, I mean, you go insane if you're all by yourself on an island like this. It's a little tiny island. You have to do all the shitty jobs. Robert also dies the same exact way that Tommy the Timberman died. Which to me is like, it's justice, right? The ultimate justice would be, if you took someone's life, you would die in the same exact way. Tommy fell from an incredibly high height and, you know, just like perished on the floor beneath him because he had that big slip. Robert gets booted out of a lighthouse from a very high height and then gets feasted upon by the seagulls. So there's two forms of justice there, right? There's like no doubt in my mind. Willem wasn't real. Uh, Robert had gone insane on a prison island because, you know, that's what he deserved because he murdered somebody. And Willem was literally God's manifestation of punishment sent there to torture him and give him exactly what he deserved. It's of a merchant's daughter they brought up in Calio. me other girls who let me go. She took me in the parlor and said, won't you be me, Bo? Hurrah, 
Folks, if if you've stuck around this long, I hope you have. You know, it's a Saturday night. I ain't doing anything. I want to talk to you about the lighthouse. And uh, if you hung around this long, thank you. I plan to be doing more discussions. I got a lot coming up this week. Um, really, really cool stuff on the horizon. And I just want to, I don't know, I want to thank every single one of you for taking time out of your day to listen to this. I know I'm difficult with my release schedule being insane and me being the person that I am, but I just, thank you. I don't know how else to say it. Thank you. I guess the only way to, um, to sign off would be me and Sam singing a sea shanty. You ready, Sam? No. Leave me alone. Sam? I am the cage boy now. Let me rot in peace. Sam, you're going to sing the sea shanty with me. Let's do this one called the dead horse shanty. You ready, Sam? Oh, poor old man, your horse will die, and we say so, and we know so. Oh, poor old man, your horse will die, oh, poor old man. I don't have the cadence. On behalf of everyone here at the Mr. Movies Podcast, thank you. Thank you for everything. Mr. Movies Patreon will be dropping soon and expect more of whatever this is, if you like it. Tickets cost $5, and if you can't afford it, or just shouldn't be spending that money right now, send a DM to Mr. Movies and he will give you the episode for free, no questions asked. Thank you all again. Good night. Goodbye everyone.